Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Text today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Isaiah, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I'd like to begin by asking you a question today, and that is Have you ever seen God? I mean, it's an interesting question. And actually, in the course of history, there have been plenty of people that have actually seen God. Starting with Adam and Eve in the garden, as the first two created human beings, the man and woman who walked and talked with God, they had this perfect relationship. This relationship was then ruined because of sin, because they ate the fruit that God told them they were not supposed to eat. And they could no longer be in the presence of God in the garden. And from that point on, those who saw God, who met with him, who spoke with him, were not that many. And you can think about Moses in the the burning bush, or being on the mountain with God in the clouds of fire. You can think about God visiting Abraham, telling him, about his plans, how he's going to have a child that's going to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. You think about Jacob wrestling with God. And there's a story that we haven't gotten to yet, but we will soon enough, and that is the fourth person appearing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. If you fast forward to present day, And there are probably a few people that you can run into, maybe you've heard of, heard from, that would tell you, yes, I have seen God. And it's possible it's going to be some sort of vision they've experienced where God appeared to them, where God spoke to them, where God touched them, where God did something to them. While I don't doubt or question the sincerity of their vision, I would certainly question the reason why God would appear to this person and why God would not appear to other people. The other times you you hear about people seeing God is in a a death or a near-death experience, right? How many stories you hear about someone dying, they go to heaven, Or at least they see God, maybe specifically Jesus, and then there's some sort of message attached to it. Of course, they don't die, they come back. Books have been written about this, movies have been made about these kinds of experiences. Again, not doubting the sincerity of their vision, but certainly questioning why would God speak directly to somebody in this way and not others. Not that I want to die, or rather almost die, just to see and hear directly from God. I just don't know that I would get that. And even if I did, I would probably question the validity of that experience if it actually was God. One person's experience that I don't question is that of the prophet Isaiah. While God appeared to a number of people in the Old Testament, he also came to a certain number of people and called them to be his prophets, called them to be his voice. 
We see that today as Isaiah has this vision of God, sees the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up with the train of his robe filling the temple. And there were also these seraphim, these angels of God. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Here the angels bring that recognition, that worship of the Trinity, of God the Father being holy, of God the Son being holy, of God the Spirit being holy. Holy, holy, holy. And as Isaiah sees this, he says, Woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Here he is in God's presence, and he speaks of his lostness, his uncleanness. He says, woe is me. Right? He is scared, and his concern was with seeing the real Lord. Because when speaking to Moses, God had said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. Isaiah Isaiah sees the Lord and he thinks that he is a dead man because he is a sinner. He is unclean and he has come into the presence of God and he is not pure. He is not worthy and so maybe seeing God is not a good sign. But then he says, one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Being concerned with his death, with his uncleanness, with his lostness, with his sin, he is forgiven. And only in forgiveness will Isaiah be able and ready to go out and share, proclaim God's word, be his voice as God calls him to be. Because that is what happens next. He says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. Prior to the forgiveness, it would seem like Isaiah is in despair with being in God's presence, expecting his death. After forgiveness, when the question is asked, Isaiah is excited. He's excited to be sent. He's excited to go and serve. So what about you? Put yourself in Isaiah's shoes. How would you feel with this interaction? Do you think you'd respond the same way? And maybe putting yourselves, putting yourselves in Isaiah's shoes is a little hard. Right? So just stay in your own shoes then. Hear the question from God. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Do you respond the same way with, here am I, send me? I think in general we're pretty good about the first part of that verse, right? Here I am. I mean, take a look around you today. You're sitting here today, right now. You're saying, here I am, God. Here I am in worship. Some of you before coming to the sanctuary could have said, here I am, God. I'm in Bible study. 
our message to God can sometimes be, here I am, God. I showed up. I don't know what else you want from me, but I'm here today. That has to count for something. And I guess you could ask yourself whether or not just showing up actually counts for something. Last weekend, we finished the second part of our evangelism workshop for the Lutheran churches in Winnipeg, where we went through everyone his witness, something that we as a congregation have gone through a couple times before. And you learn about the different kinds of people there are and the different ways that they connect and communicate. There are three primary ways people connect and communicate. It's the head, the heart, and the hands. And part of what we as a church can do is connect, meet the needs of God's people in these ways. The head is the brain. And it's going to be about knowledge, learning. It's going to be about thinking, that kind of perspective. The heart is more of the feeling perspective, the emotions, the connections, the relationships. The hands is the serving perspective, the doing rather than the thinking or the feeling. The head is probably the stuff that we're best at. Again, take it on an individual basis, right? Here I am, God. I'm here to learn. And we grow in the knowledge of the scriptures. We come to worship and we're going to dig into the scriptures and we're going to give you the word and hopefully, God willing, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you will grow in your faith. We go to Bible study and we dig into the scriptures even more. The heart stuff, we're good at too sometimes. right? Here I am, God. Here I am in worship. And sometimes worship can be emotional. It can be powerful. It can connect deep down in your soul. Especially as you receive from God. And as we worship, we, we do it as a family. And in this place we gather together, we care for our brothers and sisters. It's that fellowship piece. After the service, we gather together in fellowship around snacks and coffee, and we catch up with people we haven't talked to in a, a week or months or even years. We get together at other times too with ladies for coffee or men for breakfast. We have Bible studies, which serves the head part, but it also has that fellowship piece as well. We participate in other small groups. And lastly, of the three, the hands part is probably sometimes where we fall short. The service aspect, the serving others, serving the community, serving our friends, serving our family, our neighbors, serving in love for them. It's the send me of the second part of the verse. And while there are many different types of service, types of acts that we can do, we can think about Isaiah being called as God's messenger because we are called to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others in our lives. 
Again, take it on an individual basis. You're all sitting there today. All right? So when you hear God say, Whom shall I send? We hear Isaiah say, Here I am. Send me. If we are experiencing it like Isaiah, we might have a few different reactions. We might say, Here I am. Send me? Like, a question mark? Like, I think that's what I'm supposed to say, but I don't know that I can. I mean, I'm related to Moses, so I'm not a very good speaker. We might hear God say, whom shall I send? And we say, that's a very good question. And then we look around at the potential candidates of who can be sent by God. We might hear God say, whom shall I send? And we say, nothing, because we shrink back in our pews and hope that nobody notices. We might hear God say, whom shall I send? And we say, here I am, God. Send him. <laughs> or her. We point to the person who we know is really good at doing lots of different things. And we point to the person that we probably know is the person already involved in everything. We might also come up with other excuses like, here I am, God, but what if I get rejected? And to that, God says, yes, you, you should expect it. He said to Isaiah, go and say to this people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. We might share the word of God with others, and, and they might reject it. They hear, but they don't understand. They see, but they don't perceive. And so rather than face rejection, well, sometimes we just don't do it. Or maybe we fear that we'll lose the relationship with someone if we talk too much about Jesus. Listen, you can never talk too much about Jesus. But that's also why everyone his witness teaches you how you get to the point of talking about Jesus. Because it is the most important thing you can ever talk about. And while we may have this concern for others, we should also have this concern for ourselves. Because sometimes when we do just show up for God, we say, here I am, God. But we're hearing but not understanding because we're deaf to the word of God. We're seeing, but we're not perceiving because we're, we're blind to God's work in our life. And that's because sin gets in the way. And sin leads us to say, well, I don't want to do anything for God. I don't want to serve him. And this is where we can say that serving God, the hands part, is more than just about sharing the good news of Jesus with others. 
Serving God is what we do for God. And we need people in the church to do, to serve. How many times do you hear requests made up here for church volunteers? And you respond the same way as before. Send me? Ha, <laughs> no thanks. You hear? You hear the need? And then you, you look around the room for all the other potential candidates. You hear the need for volunteers and you shrink in your seats, trying not to make eye contact with the person who's making the announcement. You hear the need, and you say, here I am, send him. Send her, not me. While Jesus was on the earth, he never stopped serving until his death. And because he works in us, we can do the same. We can serve until our death. Serve him. We're never too old to serve God. I mean, certainly our acts do not save us. They do not earn our salvation. But we do serve God because he has served us. If we go back to our original question for today, have you ever seen God? To all of you, the answer is yes. Even though it may not be exactly like you envision. God shows himself to you in his word. John says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. It is in the word where we learn and see the good news of Jesus Christ. And Hebrews tells us, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, like Isaiah. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. It is Jesus who speaks to us, who speaks to our lives, speaks to our minds as a head person, speaks to our hearts with his love, speaks to us with his acts, his service. And he does it most clearly as you look at the cross. And you see Jesus, who is the Word, who speaks to us. And there you see, right there on the cross, his love poured out for you. That is where you see his sacrifice take your guilt away, atone for your sins. Like Isaiah, we come into the presence of the Lord and we should be dead because we're sinners, because we are unclean. We come into the presence of God and we are not pure. And that's exactly why Jesus came. Because we're sinners, because we're not pure, because we are dead men, dead in our trespasses and sins. He comes to free us from the bonds of sin, death, hell, the devil and earn salvation for us. Because we are only deserving of death, hell, condemnation, and he is the only one who can take it away.
take our guilt away, atone for our sins, and free us from all evil. Earn our salvation. Earn heaven for us. It's only through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead that this happens. And Jesus does even more for you. He meets you in your baptism. He washes you clean. As he, the Spirit, gives you the gift of faith. As he, the Son, clothes you with himself, his righteousness. As he, the Father, calls you by name, calls you his beloved child. In your baptism and through his word, God calls you to be his messenger. And today, unlike Isaiah, who has the coal touch his lips to forgive him, it's the true body and blood of Jesus, his flesh, that will touch your lips as you eat and drink to forgive your sins, to strengthen your faith, to give you the assurance that your sins are forgiven and that you have eternal life because faith is at work in you. And it's because he won it all for you on the cross. And he gave it to you in your baptism. And the Holy Spirit is at work in you to continually work in you to keep your faith strong all the days of your life. So that every day, by his power at work in you, you can say, holy, holy, holy are you God Almighty. Here am I. Send me. And he is. And he does. Amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.